grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So the parable today reminds me of a 1980s sitcom show called Cheers. In terms of a show, it wasn't all that great, really. It was just a bar scene. But the theme song is memorable. Most did not know all the lyrics, but everyone can recite the opening chorus. Do you remember? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. Having no, na your name known is satisfying compared to being a number. And that's many ways of what it is today, it feels like. Take a number, please. Public relations, as you know, it's a whole field of study, and it creates all kinds of methods to remember names. In today's gospel reading, Jesus tells the shocking parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Instead of everybody knowing his name, what mattered in the end was how God knew Lazarus. Matter of fact, those who heard this story, those people at that time would have known the name of Lazarus meant he whom God helps, or simply God helps. So this rich man in Lazarus belongs to a string of parables. We always interpret things understanding the full spectrum. And it belongs to a string of parables that you've been hearing over the past weeks. Jesus is before the same people, outcast sinners, the Pharisees, and his own disciples. Through stories about joy over the lost being found, or the wisdom of an unjust steward using wealth of another to benefit those who would be his friends. But one group hearing all this remains unchanged. The Pharisees, they started out grumbling, and by the end of today's parable, they are mocking Jesus. St. Luke tells us they were lovers of money, but this last parable kind of puts the bow on the package because, you see, It wasn't the problem of the parable about disparity over a rich man and poor man. That's what you're gravitated to think about, the, uh, the disparity over life. The conclusion, though, is not over issues of money, but repentance and need for God's word. The Pharisees were not upholding the third commandment. To keep the Sabbath day holy is as the catechism teaches, we should fear and love God, so we not despise preaching in his word, but hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it. Since God's grace is his word at work for you, listen, remember, and hope in Christ Jesus. Listen to how the rich man's gate in life was no good before death. And so the text, as you know, it just 
cries out with injustice over the whole picture Jesus cries, the picture Jesus describes, and that was the point. There's a rich man who was carefree and living life to the fullest. And instead of, of an extravagance for a special event like a birthday or a, a wedding, this extravagance became his whole standard for everyday life. Even when poor Lazarus was set before the gate of his well-secured life, nothing changed. Improper use of riches, as we know, is bad enough. That's last week's parable. But this lack of care, ignored, ignoring Lazarus, was right before his life. I mean, he looked out his morning when he's eating his eggs and toast and all that stuff, and there it'd be, Lazarus at his gate. We are to love our neighbor as ourselves, but as you know, gates go up quick when it comes to talk of money. And worse than the greed of it is the sinful nature, because of this kind of money, makes us refuse to listen. On the other side of the fence, Jesus gives much more attention to describing poor Lazarus. So he was crippled, dreadfully looking, helpless, and unlike Job, he didn't even have any friends in his suffering. His desire was for the scraps from the rich man, but as you know, it was probably wasted, just thrown out, or the dogs got to it before he could. And those animals gave, oh yeah, they gave some care better than any human being, at least licking his wounds, but as you know, this would be all dehumanizing. Of course, Jesus notes how Lazarus died first. He didn't have the best health care package. And when he died, he was unknown and insignificant. My little church out in the country had a county uh, cemetery. And they had a little potter's field in the corner. And they knew the people in some degree just because of the people being there for their whole life. But nonetheless, that was Lazarus' lot in life. Unknown, unnamed, and so goes life. Of course, you know, the angels came to carry him to Abraham's side, something that people didn't see. Even while, though, death showed itself to be that great equalizer of life, as we say, right? And so the rich man died too. But what a funeral. It truly was a celebration, I'm sure, just like his life. Remember, the rich man misjudged the chasm of hell and also the hearts of men. The parable is not about the poor just go to heaven and the rich have to just pay up. That's an interpretation used, but it's wrong. Instead, we see Lazarus. He accepted the poverty God had placed upon his life. You can't explain how he got there. It don't matter. He accepted the poverty of his life and he endured it because he was saved. 
whereas this rich man failed to use his wealth mercifully in life, and so it left no room to hear God's word rightly for salvation. You could say he was just too full on life, too much stuff in his hands, but mostly in his ears. Only in hell, now he cries out to Abraham. But we learn something very special. He did know Lazarus' name, didn't he? Because when he saw him, he told him, send Lazarus down here to help me. He sounds just like selfish Satan, serving his own interest. And in that fiery judgment, he didn't see Lazarus anything special other than just still being a servant to his own interests. Abraham told the man he had no love for God or his neighbor on earth. And here's the big thing. Instead of a gate that he had built, there was now a chasm that none could cross be in the coldness of eternal judgment. Now I know, very common in my age group, but it's pretty common, I suppose, in general. Maybe you've heard it. I hope it's common. But some say, how do you know hell is bad unless you've been there? Some like to say that, but the rich man finally, you know, did listen to Abraham. And it made him concerned. The reality of the text is that he was concerned about his family. Because they were on the same course that he had in his life. He calls again on Lazarus to bring the warning, but he misjudged sinful hearts. Abraham says, the word of Moses and the prophets was already at work for them to hear, which means it was, something's already happening for them, and such a word of God was not sufficient. No! Father Abraham but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. So now he thinks he knows the work of the Holy Spirit. Abraham affirmed listening to God's word to be the miracle. And so by this parable, you have to know, Jesus was calling the Pharisees to repentance. Because you get the little end of it, right? Even if someone should rise from the dead, not just come from the dead, but rise, they will not believe. He's speaking about his resurrection. This is the hard thing. God's mercy was in the reversal of sending his son. And to join at the table of this man, this Jesus, who was calling all, especially the grumbling over these sinners and these People who did not fit, just asking the Pharisees to join him at his rich table. Since you are listening to God's word, hope in the riches of Christ for you. One is risen from the dead, Jesus Christ, following the course as promised by Moses and the prophets, set upon his great sacrifice. And so St. Paul says, a common text, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet he became poor 
so that you by his poverty might become rich. The gates of heaven are open, and their father, have sent, having sent his son, steps before your life, not with money, but the mercy of sins forgiven. Those, here's the thing, those who have always fear having not. And greed is close at hand. But those with nothing need not fear God is punishing you. True hope abandons life itself. And as God helped Lazarus, so trust God knows your name. And that's the promise given to you in your baptism by Christ. Instead of everybody then knowing your name, God makes the difference, and by the gospel, hope does rest in eternal treasures. This is no excuse, of course, for poverty in life, and injustice cannot be ignored. And that's why the Old Testament reading stands out with Amos warning those at ease and in their security would be the first of Israel to go into exile. But Jesus also says, you'll always have the poor with you. And whatever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. Mercy will never cease before life. Mercy can be somewhat troubling because, I mean, what isn't in need? But we only have Jesus when listening to the Word. And all this is for the power of God for your salvation. St. Paul told Timothy today, Pastor, he said, keep the commandment. You know what that means, right? Not the Ten Commandments. He means the Word. Keep the Word, he says, unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's telling them, keep, let them keep hearing the good news of repentance and faith in Christ alone. This word of the Old and New Testament is to break our cold hearts. And sometimes in these kind of times of great suffering, hearts do not become warmer, they become colder. But to the repentant, Christ forgives in full all your sins, and he'll break down the gate. Instead of scraps, you know the richness of Jesus sits you at his table to eat and drink his feast to bring, as we would say, heaven on earth. The chasm of waiting to know, well, if I die today, are you going to go to heaven and hell? And the Lutheran says, I'm going to heaven because Jesus already has come to me on earth, given me his good gifts, and so I rest in him. And if I were to give all I have away, to try to equalize life, it wouldn't matter because life will never be equalized among sinners. But I have a service to render for him who did give all things for me.
and left nothing for himself. Your place, my friends, is to be at Abraham's side with all the saints in glory. That's why you have the sermon hymn, Jesus Christ, my sure defense. The rich man was a poor soul on earth and even more so in hell. Lazarus, you notice something about him in the text. He says nothing, whether in life or in death. He doesn't say anything because God's word was good enough. And so Luther tells us, were Paul, Peter, yes, Christ himself to proclaim the word, it would be no avail if meanwhile we despised it. To sacrifice earthly goods for the preservation and proclamation of God's word brings a holy participation in all good things of the word. Mercy to be shared before life, but more for souls to be made rich in imperishable treasures. God's grace is at work for you. I don't care how you feel. Listen, remember, and hope in Christ because he cares for you all. Amen. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, love of God, the of the Holy Spirit be with you always. Amen. At this time, I and faith with the saints who have gone before us in the words of the Apostles' Creed.